You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now, the, the, the title of this message is really more of a question than anything else. And the question is this, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Well, according to a, a survey by Newsweek magazine, 84% of, of Americans say that they do believe in miracles. In fact, 63% of Americans say that they personally know someone who has experienced a miracle. And so, yeah, I think it's safe to say that, that most of us in this room, most of us online, most of us believe in miracles. Now, remember, the, 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 the last two spiritual gifts that we left off with uh, you know, before Christmas, we, we, we looked at the gift of healing, and we also looked at the gift of faith. And, and we saw that one English translation of the Bible calls it wonder-working faith. Wonder-working faith. And, and, and listen, two of the gifts that are often connected with the gift of faith are the gift of, of healing that we talked about last week and this gift this morning, the gift of miracles. Because oftentimes it's those who step out in faith that testify that they've actually seen miracles. You know, for example, it's, it's usually missionaries that, that step out in faith. They, they go to serve God in a foreign land and they, and they step out in faith to try to bring the gospel to these people and they come back testifying of the miracles that they've seen. For example, uh, a missionary named John Patton. Now, John Patton, decade, I'm sorry, centuries ago, was a missionary in the New Hebrides Islands, or as it's called today, Vanuatu. Now, on New Year's Day of 1861, so, you know, uh, it's New Year's Day now, so on New Year's Day of 1861, he, he describes in his personal journal how his missionary headquarters was surrounded by a tribe of cannibals who were planning on burning the, 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 the headquarters, burning out Patton and his family so that they could murder them when they came out. And so this tribe's out there, and, and, and so John Patton and his wife, they pray, and they continue to pray, and they keep praying. They pray all night long, only to have the next morning all of the attackers leave. No one attacked, no one lit any fires, they just left. Well, now, years later, the chief of that tribe ends up accepting Christ. He gives his life to Jesus, and, and, and ultimately, the whole tribe starts following Jesus. And so later, uh, John Patton asked me, he said, hey, why didn't you attack us on that night that you had us surrounded? You know, why didn't you attack? Why didn't you burn us out? Why, why, why did you leave? And, and the chief answered and said, well, because we saw your army, all your soldiers, and Patton's like, what army? What are you talking about? He says, well, that night we saw hundreds of, 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 of big men, giant men, and they were wearing shiny white clothing, and, and they all had flaming swords, and they were all over. And so we kept waiting for them to leave, and we waited, and we waited. They never left, so we left. That would be an example of a miracle. And so before us this morning in this passage, we're going to discover uh, what, what the gift of miracles really is. We're also going to discover what the gift of miracles is not. And then we're going to talk about whether or not miracles are still for today, if they still happen today. And so now with that, uh, for context, let's go back to verse 1. In verses 1 through 10, and let's talk about what the gift of miracles really is. So with that, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. 
to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, uh, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles. Let's pause there. Now that phrase, the working of miracles. In the original Greek language that this was written in, it, 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 this is made up of two Greek words. The first is energemata, which is literally translated energizings or operations. Energizings or operations. Then the second word is dunameon, which is literally translated power. So now when you put the two together, what you have are, are literally operations of supernatural power. That's what the gift of miracles is. It's operations of supernatural power. Now, Webster's Dictionary, however, defines a miracle this way. It says, a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Let's read that again. An extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. It's been defined that a miracle is divine work by a divine power for a divine purpose. So it's this extraordinary thing that happens, this unexplainable thing that happens, and the only way that it can possibly be explained is to say that it was miraculous. You know, in the New Testament, there, there are three different words that are often translated in the English as a miracle. Now, the first word uh, is, 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 is the word in the English Bibles that's typically translated power, but sometimes it's translated as a miracle, and it's the Greek word dunamis. We get the word dynamic from it. Now, the second word that sometimes is translated miracle, but usually is translated in the English word sign. And, 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 and that's the word semia. And then the third word uh, that's translated sometimes as a miracle is the, is the Greek word tarata, which is often translated wonder. And so you have, you have signs, wonders, and miracles. And oftentimes in the New Testament, we see that these, these signs, wonders, and miracles were often used by God as God's way of authenticating God's representative. Authenticating that, that this person really was sent by God, that this person really is being used by God to authenticate that that's God's representative. You know, for example, we read in the book of Exodus and how God delivered and set his people, the children of Israel, set them free from their slavery and their bondage to the nation of Egypt. And, 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 and God's representative, the person that God used in the process, was a man named Moses. Now, God validated Moses. He validated him as his representative by giving Moses the ability to do miraculous wonders. You know, we all know that he, he had the ability to, to turn his staff into a snake. And then again, he also is the one who sent ten plagues upon the nation of Egypt, you know, including you know, the Nile River being turned into blood. And then, of course, he was the one who famously parted the waters of the Red Sea so that the people of Israel could walk through those parted waters. I did hear about a little boy who was sitting on a park bench, park bench and he's, he, he's, he's reading the Bible, and he's reading how Moses parted the waters of the Red Sea, and all of a sudden he jumps up and says, Hallelujah! This is awesome! And just then, a, a recent graduate from the university down the road happens to walk by. He's like, what are you so excited about? He's like, well, I just read this. And so he explains the whole story of Moses, how he, how he parted the waters. Now this recent graduate turns and says, well, listen, that's nothing. One of my professors uh, tells us that that could have been mistranslated. Instead of the Red Sea, it could have been the Sea of Reeds. And if that's the case, there's places in the Sea of Reeds where it's only 10 inches deep. Anybody could have walked through. 
So the little boy looks down at his Bible, looks back up, and he says, praise God, that is, that is incredible. And he's like, well, why are you so excited now? And the little boy looks up and he says, he says, well, because God's greater than I thought he was. I mean, not only did the people walk through the parted waters, but God is so awesome, he was able to drown the entire Egyptian army in just 10 inches of water. That is a miracle. And so it's an extraordinary event. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that can only be explained by saying that it was a miracle. And often, God uses it as a way to validate his representatives. And we think about it in the Old Testament, for example, Elijah and, and his protege, Elisha. And, and, and both were God's representatives, and God validated them by giving them both the ability to do miracles, including the raising of the dead. And of course, in the New Testament, I mean, you know, the, the, the whole life of Jesus is nothing but a miracle, right? I mean, he was, he was miraculously born to a virgin. He, 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 he turns water into wine. He, he, he walks on water. He heals the sick. He heals the blind. He heals the deaf. He, 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 he even raises the dead. And then, of course, there's his own resurrection from the dead. And then, uh, then there's his 12 apostles, his 12 representatives. And, and, and we see that, that, that God gives them uh, validation as being his representatives by giving them miraculous abilities, giving them the ability to do miraculous things. In the book of Acts, for example, read that, that, that Peter raises a girl by the name of Tabitha from the dead. Then later on, uh, in, in Acts chapter 13, we see that, that the apostle Paul pronounces blindness on, on, on a sorcerer by the name of Elemus, kind of like reverse healing. No, by the way, if we did that today, if like preachers did that, who wants to come up to receive blindness? People would stop coming, right? And, and, and then in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, it says this. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And so we read in the book of Acts, it's like a miracle happens here in this chapter. A miracle happens in this chapter. Here's a miracle. There's a miracle. Everywhere a miracle. We read all these miracles in the book of Acts, and we're like, why were there so many miracles in the book of Acts? Answer? to authenticate his representatives, to, to, to give proof that they were sent by God. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, the things that mark an apostle, signs, wonders, and miracles were done among you with great perseverance. And so the, 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 the signs that validate, that authenticate that they really were apostles were signs and wonders and miracles. Now, on that note, I, I have to boldly declare before you all that I, that, I, that I do not have the gift of healing. And while I'm at it, I have to declare to you I do not have the gift of miracles. I have never prayed and seen anybody come back from the dead. In fact, kind of the opposite. In fact, I remember when I was 19 years old, started volunteering in different ministries at the church, and, and one of the ministries I got involved in was a prayer ministry where if, if you had a, a loved one in the hospital or something like that, you could call the church, and, then, and they would send somebody to pray. So if you joined this team, you were one of the people they would send to pray. Now, to be a part of the team, you had to carry a pager. Anybody remember this thing called the pager? And it was a long time ago. And so, uh, you know, so you carry a pager. Then I, so one day I get this page, and I'm being told, hey, and this is the first person I ever had to go out and pray for, my first call. And I'm 19. And so they say, hey, we want you to go to St. Joe's, and, and there, there's this guy in, in, in ICU, and, and, he, and he has AIDS, and you've got to pray for him. So I go in there, and, and this is a guy that got AIDS through, through intravenous drug use, and, and yet in the process while he was in the hospital, that actually led him to Christ. He ended up accepting Christ while he was in the hospital. So now I come. His family wants, it wants somebody to come and pray for him, and so I get there, and I, got to, I am nervous. 
I mean, I'm scared, you know, scared spitless, thinking, you know, I mean, what if I screw this up? I mean, this could be really bad. And so I go in there, and I'm, I, you know, my hand's like shaking, not because there's like anointing, it was fear. You know, I'm just like, you know, and, and you know, so I'm praying for the guy, and I think I prayed something like, you know, you know Father, if, if it's your will, then I just pray that this guy would be healed, and, you know, yada, 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 and, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. As soon as I say amen, and I start to turn the other way, I hear, beep, he flatlined and died on the spot. I thought, my prayers were so bad, I killed the poor guy. And I just share that with you because I want you to know that after the service, I'm available to pray for you. Um, so it's my gift. And so we see that, that a, a miracle is this extraordinary thing that happens, this amazing thing that happens. And the only way that you can explain it is that, is that it was miraculous. And oftentimes it's to authenticate, it's to validate that this person was sent by God. That this is a work of God. Now that's what a miracle is, but now let's go back to verse 8, verses 8 through 10, and let's talk about what a miracle is not. And so in verse 8 it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles. Now listen, we've talked about what miracles are, but now let's talk about what miracles are not. And a lot of us, we tend to, to mistake coincidences as miracles. You know, for example, maybe during Christmas season, you find yourself driving over at the Orchard Shopping Center. And it's Christmas, so it's busy. And so you're circling the parking lot. You've like made like lap number like 49, looking for a spot. And there's like not a parking spot within miles. And so you're lapping and lapping. And, and finally you pray and you're like, you know, Lord, just open a spot. And just then a spot opens in the front row. It's a miracle. You know, or maybe like the guy who, who, who I heard about who always brought donuts to, to the office for, for, for his coworkers. But then he realizes he needs to lose some weight and he's getting better shape, so he declares to all of his coworkers that he's not bringing donuts anymore. Well, then one day he shows up to the office with two boxes of Krispy Kremes. And everybody's like, oh, Ralph, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that you backslid. I'm sorry that you fell off the wagon. I'm sorry that you had a moment of weakness and gave in. I mean, you're doing so good. He says, what are you talking about? He says, these are miracle donuts. I'm like, what do you mean, Miracle Donuts? He says, well, you see, I, I kind of forgot, and I, I drove my old route to work, and there was Krispy Kreme, and, and I thought, well, well, and I prayed, and I said, well, Lord, if, it, if it's your will for me to stop and get some donuts, give me a sign. And just then, the sign in the window that says hot, fresh, lit up. It was a miracle. These are Miracle Donuts. No, it was a coincidence. Now, in the same way, not only do we confuse coincidence with miracles, some of us confuse providence with miracles. Now again, a miracle is something unusual, something unexplainable, something amazing that can only be explained as an absolute miracle. For example, it was a miracle when, when Elijah prayed for it to stop raining and it stopped raining for three years. And then after three years of drought, then Elijah prays for it to rain and all El Nino breaks loose. That's a miracle. But providence is different. You see, providence is, is, is simply when, when, when God seems to string together what seem like a, a bunch of coincidences, but he strings them together for his work, for his purposes, ultimately for his glory. In fact, in many ways, the story of Esther in the Bible is a story of God's providence. Now, on the surface, it seems like, like, like through a string of, of coincidences, Esther becomes the queen of Persia. 
But then a deeper look at the story and you discover that, that really what it was is that God had put her in the right place at the right time for such a time as this so that ultimately she was in a position to save and rescue God's people. A, st- a string of what seem like coincidences, but it's really the hand of God putting it all together for his purposes. You know, in the same way, maybe, maybe, maybe providence in your life might be that, that maybe you get behind in your mortgage payments and you're at the point that you don't know what you're gonna do. I mean, things are getting really tight and just then you open the mail and suddenly there's a check for the exact amount that you needed. In fact, I remember, and this was years ago, probably, probably well over 20 years ago, but there was a time for Amy and I where things were really tight and, and, and so Amy prays and she's like, you know, uh, we're, we're like $100 short. And so Amy prays and she says, Lord, you know, you know our needs. You know that we're $100 short and I don't know how you're going to do it, but Lord, we just trust that you're going to provide. Well, just then somebody in the church died and, and the family asked me to do the funeral. And at the, at the end of the funeral, the family gave me a check for $100, the exact amount that we needed. So then we prayed and, and, and we're like, you know, Lord, thank you for providing. I mean, it was exactly what we needed, but you didn't have to kill the poor guy. So again, I just want to encourage you that I'm here to pray for you. Um, but you know, when these things happen in our lives, when, when, when things like that happen and, and God puts it all together, now it feels miraculous, it feels like a miracle, when in all actuality, that was providence. So we've seen what miracles are, and we've seen what miracles are not, but now as we look at verse 10 again, now let's talk about whether or not miracles still happen, if miracles are for today. Verse 10. And to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, in that verse is a a list of spiritual gifts that some say have ceased, that they're no longer for today. What they would say about the gifts that are on that list is is they would call these the quote-unquote sign gifts. Now, by sign gifts, what they mean is, is that these are the signs that God would use to prove, to, to authenticate that the apostles were actually the apostles. But they would say, now that the apostles have ceased, the gifts have ceased. Now that the apostles have died, these gifts in verse 10 have died with them, and they're no longer for today. It's often what is called being a sensationist. A cessationist is somebody who believes that those particular gifts have ceased. There's just one problem with that. And the problem is, is that church history illustrates that even though the apostles have ceased, the gifts in verse 10 lived on. The apostles might have died, but these gifts didn't die with them. The gifts didn't get the memo that they're supposed to be dead. For example, uh, church father Irenaeus, uh, he lived in the years uh, 130 AD to 200 AD after the apostles. And yet Irenaeus, in his journal, he talks about how how he's personally witnessed Christians laying hands on the sick and and healing them. They, They were made whole. He talks about how how even the dead had been raised up and back to life and remain among us, he says, for many, many years. Then there's Augustine, who lived in the 300s, well after the apostles. And Augustine, in his book titled The City of God, says, quote, I cannot even record all of the miracles that I've personally seen. And so although the apostles died, hundreds of years later, we see that the gifts were still alive. In fact, we still see uh, that, that miracles take place today. Now, typically, uh, those that, that, that often talk about seeing miracles are, are those out in the mission field. 
You know, those who took a step of faith and, 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 they, and, they, and, they, and they wanted to see people in some, some foreign area hear the gospel and, and come to the Lord and, and have their lives transformed. And they are often the ones who come back telling us of the amazing miracles that they've seen. And as I mentioned earlier, keep in mind that sometimes that gift of faith goes hand in hand with gifts like healing and gifts like miracles. So for example, back in 2010, Dr. Candy Guntherm Brown, who's, who's the professor of religious studies at, at Indiana University, she did an extensive study on, on healings and miracles. In fact, this study was, was published uh, by, by a peer-reviewed medical journal. So, so uh, it, it validated everything that she said. It was, it was an extensive study. And so what they did was, was they flew to Mozambique, Africa, because they were hearing that there was a group of missionaries there led by a husband and wife team, Heidi and Roland Baker. And they were hearing that, that, that miracles and healings were happening left and right, like on, almost on a daily basis. It was almost like any time they laid hands and prayed, on, uh, prayed for somebody, somebody was healed. So they brought this team there. They, they brought extensive scientific research equipment and medical equipment, and, 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 and they conducted all these studies. And she says that, that what she documented were dozens upon dozens of actual healings from blindness and deafness. Like, for example, a woman by the name of Martine, who was an elderly uh, blind and deaf woman. Now, before anybody prayed for her, they, they, they tested her hearing, and, and they found that, that there was no response at 100 decibels, meaning that if somebody had a jackhammer and was using it right next to her, she couldn't hear it. Then after somebody prayed for her, then, then her, 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 her right ear was responding to 75 decibels, but her left ear responded to 40 decibels. And her eyesight went from 2040, where she, I'm sorry, 2400, where she was legally blind, and now it was transformed to, to 2080. Not fantastic eyesight, but now at least she could use corrective lenses. And even without corrective lenses, she could now see things 20 feet away from her, where she was almost completely blind before. And so uh, they did test after test. They had case after case, legitimate, documented, scientific, bona fide healings that had taken place, published in a medical journal. And so do healings happen today? Yes, they do. But why? Well, now as we look at verses 10 and also verse 11, let's find out. Let's talk about the purpose for miracles, why these things take place. Verse 10 says again, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these things are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. That's the key phrase as he, as the Holy Spirit wills. In other words, not as I will, not as you will, not as the person who claims they have this gift wills. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. In other words, this is not a gift that you can turn on and off at command. It's not a gift that you control. It's a gift that he controls. And this explains why why some people are healed and some people are not healed. It explains why sometimes some people see miracles and some people do not see miracles because it does not happen as I will, it happens as he wills. But in this passage, we've seen that, yes, uh, we, we, see that, we see what miracles are. We've also seen what miracles are not, but we've also seen that miracles still happen. They still happen today. Now, of course, the, the critics will, will, will try to ex- explain away the miracle that took place. Like, for example, David Hume. Now, if you don't know, David Hume is a world-famous atheist philosopher. 
And David Hume says, quote, a miracle is something that breaks the laws of nature. The laws of nature can't be broken, so therefore, miracles do not exist. Well, I beg to differ, Dr. Hume. Maybe you should try reading the book of Joshua in the Bible. And back in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, we read this, this time where, where the children of Israel, they're under attack from this five-nation coalition. And, and yet Joshua leads the, 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 the soldiers, leads the troops of, of, of Israel. Uh, 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 they're, 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 they're verging on victory. I mean, the, the, the enemies are on their heels and, 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 and they're retreating and, and victory is almost at hand. But, but the problem was that the sun was going down and Joshua needed more time to conquer the enemy. And it's in that moment that in Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, it says, And Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and said in the sight of Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasser? And so the sun stood still in the midst of of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Now, of course, the the skeptic would read that and say, say, that's absolutely ridiculous. There's no way that the sun would stand still. There's no way the moon would stop. There's no way that the earth would stop spinning on its, ra- on its axis, stop rotating on, ex- on its axis. If it did that, I mean, I mean th- th- there would be cataclysmic problems. I mean, you know, massive tidal waves and tsunamis and, 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 you know, not even to mention the loss of gravity. And they would say, hey, besides that, if something like that really did happen, well, then that would be historically documented by many, many other cultures, not just the Bible. Well, now, first of all, we should point out that that Hebrew language scholars point out that that the Hebrew language here is not implying that the earth actually stopped, but rather that it dramatically slowed down. But it never came to a complete stop. That's first of all. Now, secondly, if you were to fact check this and, and, and look up historical records of other cultures, you would find that many, many ancient cultures have the same record of, of like a long extended day. For example, the ancient Egyptians have a record of a, of a long extended day. The ancient Chinese, the ancient Hindus all have records of, of this extended long day that took place. Then there's Professor Pickering from Harvard Observatory who says that in the annals of history of the earth, there's almost one full day missing. He says even the, the astronomical records indicate that one full day is missing. And so there, there is scientific evidence. There's also historical evidence by other cultures, not just the Bible. But the Bible is the only source that tells us why there's an extended day. Why there's an extra long day. Why? Because one man had the faith to ask for a miracle and God gave the miracle. The day stopped, or at least dramatically slowed. And so we wonder, are are miracles still for day? Well, we've seen over and over again. Yes, they are. In fact, uh, Lee Strobel in his recent book, The Case for Miracles, documents literally hundreds of certified, bona fide miracles that have taken place. For example, he tells a story uh, that happened back in March of 2015. The story of Officer Tyler Beddoes, who, who arrived on the scene of an accident where a car had overturned into a body of water. I think it was a lake, if I remember correctly. So this car's overturned, and, 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 and Beddoes and his fellow officers on the scene all say that they heard a woman's voice calling to them and, 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 and ultimately guiding them to the car that was in the lake. That without this voice, this woman's voice, they never would have found the car. 
So they get out in the water, they find the car, they follow the voice, and, and, and they do find a woman in the car, but she has been dead for 14 hours. But miraculously, they find an 18-month-old baby that's still alive in the car. And in the police report, every single officer, all documents, and says that it, was, that it was this miraculous voice of a woman that had miraculously led them and helped them find that baby. That without that voice, they never would have found the baby. And every one of them in the report said it was a miracle. In, a, in, in documented separate police reports. Then there's Dr. Michael Keener, who's, who's a medical doctor, who went and investigated, personally investigated, a number of miracles, more than 100 different miracles. And, and, and so in his book, he, 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 he documents this. And for example, in, in 1982, September of 1982, there was a nine-year-old British girl who, who, who contracted a virus that had severely damaged uh, the, the nerves in both of her ears to the point that she was now completely deaf. Her medical record uh, said that she was diagnosed with untreatable deafness. So they outfitted her with, with, with hearing aids, but this little girl didn't want to, to, to live the rest of her life with hearing aids. And she really felt like God was leading her to pray for healing. And she said that, that she felt like God kept bringing verses like, like, if you have the faith of a child. So she just kept praying and praying. So on March 8th, 1983, she went to an audi audiologist for, uh, because, because one of her hearing aids got damaged at, at school. So they did an exam and, and they refitted her hearing aids and they, and, and they sent her back home. Well, now later that evening, she went to bed. She took off her hearing aids when she went to bed. She wakes up and, and she exclaims and she says, Mommy, I can hear. So they go back the next day to the audiologist. They do more tests. They, they do an audiogram, they do a, topan a topanogram, and the tests both reveal that her hearing is, a, is, is fully, completely normal. And so the doctor writes and says, I can give no explanation for this. I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And in his medical report, he writes these words. He says, an audiogram did show that her hearing in both ears to be completely and totally normal. I was completely unable to explain this phenomenon. I, I, I can think of no rational explanation as to why her hearing returned to normal. It was a miracle. Then there's eight-year-old uh, Brad Wilkinson, who had two holes in his heart. Now, the day before his, his life-saving surgery was to take place, they, they did x-rays. And the x-rays revealed that, that blood was leaking from one chamber to, the, to another chamber. But now on the day of the surgery, they did x-rays again, but this time the x-rays revealed that the holes were gone, that they were co completely healed, and that there was no need for surgery. And, 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 and example after example, Dr. Keener gives literally over 100 different examples of bona fide, certified, actual miracles. But in his writing, he says that, that in his personal investigations, he found that, that typically miracles tend to happen in places where, where people are hearing about God, hearing the gospel for the first time. He says in places like China and the Philippines and Brazil and many other countries. And then Dr. Keener says, quote, it looks like God is still in the miracle business. And so do miracles happen today? Yes, they do. But Why? What is the purpose of miracles? Well, ultimately, the purpose of miracles is to bring glory to God. Ultimately, it's to remind us that if, if miracles really exist, then that must mean that the God of miracles really exists. Psalm 77, verse 14, it says, You are the God who works wonders. In fact, I'm reminded of a story in 1 Kings. In 1 Kings, we read of the time that Elijah the prophet... He, he faces off against the, prophet of Baal, the prophets of Baal, 
And, and, and he challenges them to prove whose God is the real God. Now the challenge was that they were gonna build an altar, put a sacrifice on the altar, and then, and then pray for their God or gods to, to send fire down and consume that sacrifice. Whosoever God sent fire, that was the real God. And so the prophets of Baal go first, they, they put their sacrifice on the altar, they start praying and nothing happens. So they start chanting, nothing happens. They start dancing erratically, nothing happens. Then they start cutting themselves and slashing themselves to get their gods to listen, and nothing happens. Meanwhile, Elijah starts mocking them. He's like, well, maybe your God's deaf. Maybe you should chant louder. And then he mocks them some more. He says, maybe he's busy. The word busy was actually a Hebrew figure of speech to say he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he's a little occupado right now, and he can't talk. And so he's mocking them and mocking them. And finally, it's Elijah's turn. And, and, and Elijah, when he gets up, he, what does he do? He, he pours water on the, on the sacrifice. He saturates it. And then he pours water all over the altar so that it's soaking wet. And then he prays to God for a miracle. He prays that God would send fire down from heaven. And God did send fire down from heaven. And the fire not only burnt up and consumed the, the sacrifice, but it totally burnt up the wet, soaking, wet altar as well. Now, the people watching this, here's their response. It says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 39, it says, Now when the people saw it, they fell down on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. What is the purpose of miracles? It's ultimately to bring glory to God. It's to remind us that if the miracle really exists, that must mean that the God of the miracle really exist. As Psalm 77 put it, he is the God who works wonders. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.